Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Monique Scott, and this is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And uh, Monique, we, uh, we've been getting some emails from people to share, which is going to be good. We have an a, a interesting problem to solve for somebody who's having an interesting problem. Okay. But uh, we, we agreed that we were going to start this week with a little bit of a vibe lifter, if you'll remember. We were going to do yeah. the... So I figure that, I mean, just today, especially, I told you just before we got started here, my week has been a little challenging. Today was a little challenging. I'm very proud of the way that I've been handling today. I want to throw that in there. Good. Okay. I, I haven't gone into any spirals or anything like that. Good. But it would certainly be nice to just raise the vibe a little bit more, or maybe even a lot more. Let's put it that hey, way. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. So I'm thinking, wouldn't it be nice if my vibe got higher? <laughs> wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if uh, all of a sudden everything started working smoothly for me? Ooh, I like the feel of that one. <laughs> yes. And wouldn't it be nice if I got a new coaching client today? Ooh, yeah. That's always <laughs> a nice thing. That, that, that'll that just pick up your whole week right there. Yeah, I like that one. Oh, okay. Yes. Now, I have to throw in something that already is nice, because from my wife's perspective, uh, she loves the fact that here in the Northeast, we got about a foot of snow. She loves snow. Oh, my gosh. So we went out and did some snowshoeing today. Now, I can't say it lasted real long. She's a little bit out of shape. But, hey, we got out there, and we actually blazed a trail. So that was something. So Yeah, and she got the snow that she wanted. That's right. She did. And apparently there's more coming this weekend. And, and when I mentioned that to her, she says, Oh, good. Even more. <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking about all the people who are saying, Oh God, more snow coming. But she right. is just psyched. She's absolutely thrilled. <laughs> now, where's your wife from since she likes snow? She, well, it, the way she would describe it is she's a maniac. She's originally from Maine. Yeah, she's used to it then. Yeah, okay. she is. Now, she's actually lived in all of the New England states except for New mm-hmm. Hampshire. So, yeah, right. you know, and, and I'm not unfamiliar with snow myself because I grew up in upstate New York, you know, where you get a lot of uh, lake effect snow. So it's not terribly surprising to me either. But um, I think you she's more enthusiastic it. than I am. Well, I don't love it the way she does. Oh, okay. I mean, how many people do you know who skip in snow? No. <laughs> <laughs> my face. No. That'll give you an idea, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I enjoy a good snowfall. She just thrives on it. Okay? Yeah. We've all got our thing, right? That's right. Yeah. So for my wife's benefit, wouldn't it be nice if she got the snow that she wanted? <laughs> yes. And wouldn't it be nice if she got even more than she anticipated? <laughs> Maybe that's so nice. <laughs> That'll be nice for her. <laughs> right. It, it's interesting. All this stuff is perspective, isn't it? It really, Everything really is. Perspective. Is. You know, what's your perspective on it? How do you feel about it? Well, I'll tell you what, what I feel. Would it be nice if it were summer again? <laughs> yes. Yes. And wouldn't it be nice if I was in Miami right now? Back uh-huh. Here? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I can live with that one. Yeah. Wintertime especially sounds like a good place to be. <laughs> That's why I moved. Oh, my gosh. Unlike your wife, I do not like snow. I hate snow. Snow means it's cold. Anything mm. below 75 is cold. Okay. 
I understand. My sister-in-law is originally from Trinidad. So oh. she shares your sentiment, I have to say. Yeah. Um, like, she, I just she, don't think we need seasons. I think we just <laughs> have summer all year round. I don't understand why it can't be. <laughs> you would definitely agree with you. <laughs> Which is why they live near Orlando. So there you go. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not called the Sunshine State for nothing. But wouldn't it be nice if uh, this whole COVID thing, or actually when this whole COVID thing blows over so that we can go visit them in Florida? <laughs> I like that Yes. <laughs> and wouldn't that be nice if it happened this year? Oh, would it be nice if it happened you know, like in the next few months? Wouldn't it be nice if it happened this month? Okay. <laughs> I like that. I, I will say something. I, I have been watching the numbers. I tend to to like, you know, check in to see what the overall numbers are. They uh-huh. are decreasing. They're, they're, the news media hasn't really noticed it, but we're very close after having this huge spike being down around the level that we were at on election day and falling below that. So okay. as, as little vaccine has actually been, you know, administered, it's, it's having an effect. It's already having an effect. So, which is yeah. good. Which it is good. good. Um, and, and I'll, Add something else onto that, which also becomes a wouldn't it be nice if. Um, I'll I'll do the wouldn't it be nice if part first. Wouldn't it be nice if more people understood the power of the human mind, both to create disease and to cure disease? Because I do know most people don't really grasp how important that is. So that's why I get excited about the vaccine, because I know for them, it helps them shift their mindset. So I'm thinking as... As this uh, kind of picks up steam, wouldn't it be nice if people start getting really excited about the fact that they're getting the vaccine? Yes. And wouldn't it be nice that that they would start to realize that it's really all in their minds? Oh, boy, that would be something. Actually, I interviewed somebody here on the podcast last May who is a research scientist at, I believe it's the University of Maryland. And she at that, now, of course, this is when COVID was really getting hot and heavy and people were scared out of their minds and so forth. Not that they're not scared now, but that's where the really big fear levels were. And she and her team um, are investigators of the placebo and nocebo effect. Mm -hmm. Now, they've always investigated pain-related stuff. And in fact, that's what almost all of the scientific researchers have investigated. The reason I had her on the show was even though she couldn't talk about it because she was in the middle of the study, she and her team are investigating the relationship between placebo, nocebo, and COVID. Mm. So would it be nice if the results of her study come out, say, during the spring and start pointing to the importance of changing your mindset to believing and feeling good in order to reduce the impact and perhaps even getting COVID. Yes. And wouldn't it be nice if everyone who's watching our podcast or listening to our podcast would um, pick up the book by Dr. Joe Dispenza, You Are the Placebo. Oh, one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. Really good book. Really, really good book. In fact, um, we had one of his, um, I don't know what they call them, the people who helped to facilitate his his workshops. You know, they, mm-hmm. they run the groups and so forth. Yeah. Kim was one, is one of those people. She came onto the show one time and talked about what it was like doing the group uh, stuff for Dr. Wow. Joe Dispenza. Wow. And I, I was even asking her, you know, so what can you tell us about Dr. Joe's work? She says, not much more than you already know. We're just as amazed as, she, as you guys are. I mean, <laughs> just they're just blown yeah. away by it. I follow 
them on YouTube. Do you really? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's amazing. The first time I heard his story about how he was able to heal himself, mm. I was hooked um, then. And that's when I really started studying the connection of the mind and body and healing yourself. It is true in my mind that the most important thing that we can ask for when we do asks using the law of attraction is health. Mm -hmm. Because without the health, you're not going to be able to do much with all the rest of the stuff that you're asking for. But with the health, you can, there, the sky's the limit. There's nothing that you can't do. So yeah, I put health at the top of the list. And for that reason, I agree with you. I think uh, Dr. Joe's work is amazing and, and fabulous. He's not the only one. I mean, there are some others. Dr. Bruce Lipton comes to mind and oh, a few yeah. others who are just, you know, amazing in terms of what they're doing. Yeah. And I keep rooting for them have the next breakthrough and then the next breakthrough and then the next breakthrough. Right. <laughs> and you want to hear something interesting while we're talking about health? What's that? So, um, again, I think this is probably a little controversial, uh, maybe for some of the listeners, but mm. I, I have just conditioned my mind that I cannot get COVID. So I don't worry about it. Do I follow the rules? Of course I do. Of course I wash mm. my hands and, you know, I use hand sanitizer. Of course, I always wear a mask when I'm out and all of that good stuff. But I'm never surprised that I'm always healthy. I expect to be healthy. Like, that's my mindset, right? That I'm not going to get COVID. My daughter's not going to get COVID. But again, talking about health and, and how you think about yourself, right? So all this past weekend, Walt, I was with my daughter Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Today's Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And okay. Monday. We mm -hmm. finally bought a new car on Monday. Oh, all right. Yes, she she bought a brand new car. First brand that new. Was... Yeah. So um it was interesting to me because of course we have on the mask, right? But you know, you kind of take it off because you gotta talk or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, every single place that we went and we went to probably four or five different dealerships every single place thought i was her sister and not her mom nice i like that but we get that all the time and at first i thought people are just pulling my leg right like they don't really <laughs> think i'm your sister do they and they all say the same thing well you look so young and so i just attributed that Walt to my mindset. I feel young. I think young. Like I don't I don't think about myself getting older. Of course I am because I'm 50, but I don't think, oh my gosh, I'm getting older. Oh my gosh, my mind is going. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I do I'll know what you mean. By thinking as they get older. But I think that that's just society conditioning us that that's what's supposed to happen, but I don't believe that that necessarily is what's supposed to happen. I think what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to con continue to condition our minds to stay strong. I this may surprise you. You're not going to get a lot of resistance on this show for that position. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with you. And uh, uh, actually, the way I think about it myself, where COVID is concerned, I don't think about COVID or getting COVID at all. Me I give either. it no attention. For me, it's I, I, I'm healthy and I stay healthy. And that's the yeah. way I think about it. I'm just always healthy. I, I, I assume I'm healthy. I feel healthy. I believe healthy. And, and most important of all, I, high, I expect health and I high vibe health. I stay high vibe yeah. as much as I possibly can. Because, you know, that's really what it comes down to, right? It's the feeling aspect. Yeah, so you're I stay with a feeling. That's yeah. right. 
So, would it be nice if more and more people did the same thing? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It would be nice if more people thought from a healthy mindset rather than every time they watch the news or, or get news about the COVID numbers or whatever, they start thinking negatively. Wouldn't it be nice yeah. if they start thinking positively? And isn't it nice that more people are thinking positively? More and more people are buying into this? Maybe not by the billions yet, but certainly by the millions. It's definitely right. picking up steam. That's something. That's not insignificant. No, I mean, not at all. With COVID, I think I saw the numbers, something like 10% of the population has received one dose, 2%, one to 2% have received two doses. Look how much of a shift that has happened because of that. Yeah. You know, now we, we, we attribute it certainly to the vaccine, but the mindset also plays a big role. Look what happens when a small number of people compared to the overall population believe that they're now safe because they have a vaccine. Wow. Yes. And wouldn't it be nice if that number continued? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you can count on that one. That That's like in the bank. <laughs> Hopefully so, right? Oh, I think so. I'm really, really confident. I know they're talking about not having beaten the whole thing before summer, but I think we're going to see some major, major shift by like April 1st. April 1st is the deadline I have in mind. I think that's where by that point, people are just going to be blown away at how much everything has changed. Not oh, that the I whole like thing will be gone. I'm not. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be gone, right. but I. I think people are just going to have a completely different take on it by April first. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I concur. So that's fun. That's good. We got to do that more often. <laughs> yes, we do. I like that. Yeah, it feels good. I feel higher vibe. I feel. I. I, I feel a smile in my torso. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I really, really do. Yeah. It's like up and down the torso, left, right, and the shoulders. Every, I mean, it's like the whole thing is just, whoop, smile. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have a feeling that by the time this podcast is over, my cheeks are going to be hurting again. Yeah, like, well, you know, water. there's a price that you pay for doing this. <laughs> what? Right? <laughs> but that's, that's what I do love. I love that we're the daily dose of happiness, right, for people. Mm, I love that. I love it, too. And so do our listeners, by the way, because like I said, we did get some emails in. Um, both of them are from regular listeners. Uh, one of them is from Deborah, who I believe wrote in last week, actually. Hey, Deborah. Hey. And she says, quote, if you want the Maserati, why bother with the Mazda? <laughs> and then she puts this big smile with the tears rolling out, right? <laughs> says, loving your wonderful contribution to the show. She says, please, would you be so kind as to share the manifestation story on the YouTube channel? It, it sounds so great. Well, actually, guess what, Deborah? It's already there, fortunately. But <laughs> Nice! I like that. Yeah, all you got to do is look up last week's episode on YouTube. And uh, there it is. It's all set for you. <laughs> See, Deborah, the... ask and you shall receive. And quickly, too, right? Yes, just like that. Look how just fast like that. you manifested that, Deborah. <laughs> I and love then Barbie, it. Barbie sent in a message too. Now Barbie, Hi, Barbie. She, she was actually re um, reacting to your first official visit on the show as, as a co-host. Okay. She says, please know, although it was a shock not to have Cindy as your co-host last Tuesday, actually it was a Wednesday. It was a pleasant surprise to get to know Monique. Cute. Having three of you together, if that's possible, would be great. Or at least alternate them. 
I'm just thankful for all the dialogue, ideas to expand my mind and enrich my soul and life. Yes, I wish I had handled my college years better or differently, but my life is rich for having survived it. Perhaps it's a lesson I came here to learn. Thank you again, Walt, for all your, you coordinate, create, and share. The LOA Today community and app has been a deep source of healing and happiness. Mm. Stay warm up there. Beach days are coming. <laughs> so really nice emails from both Barbie and Doug Raymond. Uh, we really want to thank Barbie, both of them. Thanks, Deborah. And we want to encourage everybody else to send stuff in, too. Woo-hoo. I mean... Send in questions by all means. I mean, those are really fun because we can go on for entire episodes about a single question oh, that we really yeah. need to. But send in the, uh, the, the emails like Barbie and, and uh, Debbie sent in too, because uh, let me tell you, we love it. it. And we say this all the time, but it really is true. We love receiving these messages. They, yeah. they just, they're almost as good as wouldn't it be nice if to pick you up. Right. <laughs> Okay, so now we, we've got some fun stuff done so that we're in a really high vibe space. Um, I have uh, a little thing to share. Oh, actually, there's a third email. I forgot about that. I, oh, I'm so okay. sorry, Sarah. I left this one out. Sarah actually sent something in for all of the co-hosts to address. And while usually I pick one to address, this one I'm, I'm really bringing to everybody just to see um, – what different perspectives people have and what they can share because she's asking about three separate healing modalities. And we had uh, Louie on Monday and Dean on Tuesday address the parts that they knew about. Um, I'm going to bring it to you to see what you know about. She's looking at these three healing modalities and she's looking for any kind of insights we can provide about them, about, you know, their efficacy, how to do them, whatever. First one, sound healing with or without tuning forks. Number two, Cranial sacral therapy. Hmm. And number three, access bars. I've not heard of the second or the third one. I've heard oh, of them. Oh, okay. But I, I I don't know anything about any of them, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I do. But okay. I've certainly never heard of the second or third. Do you have some insight to share on them? Uh, well, yeah, I can tell you a little bit about each one of them. We talked quite a bit about the first one Um with Dean yesterday and Louie talked about the first one and the second one. He's done quite a bit with the craniosacral therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean hadn't done quite as much with it. Um, basically the, the second one, craniosacral therapy, as I understand it, is where the practitioner is working with, I'll call it for, for lack of a better way of understanding it, bumps on the head and they basically do certain things and it, it does dramatic energy shifts in the body to heal all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I can't tell you a whole lot more than that, but I, that's my understanding about it. Okay. Um, and tuning forks and sound healing. They, I mean, the thing that Dean and I talked about were singing bowls. I'm most familiar with those. And you said you know some stuff about uh, sound healing too. I can't say I'm an expert at any of these, yeah. but I'm aware of it. Access bars. I, I, I know just a little bit because access bars, the best place you can get information about this, Sarah, and I can't remember if I told you about this on Monday or Tuesday, um, but Linda Armstrong has talked about on the Friday show, she's talked about access consciousness and that's where access bars come from. You can go to accessconsciousness.com and get you know, tons of information there. Um, I did actually at one point, before you even asked your question on a previous occasion, I asked Linda if she wanted to talk about access consciousness one time. She said, Oh, that let people just go to the website. You know, it's not something I really want to get into. So. Not probably not going to get a whole lot more out of Linda on that one, but I definitely recommend the website. I have taken a look at it, and there is a ton of information there. So, 
um, you know, that's probably your best place to go for information about access bars. What are access bars used for? Sorry, I haven't dealt that deeply. I haven't studied it that carefully. That's how much information is there. <laughs> but you can find it. It's all there. It's it's not hard to find. Just do the Google search and it'll show up. But, yeah, I'm not an expert on them either. That's one of the reasons I'm bringing it up with everybody, including you. So it's nice, kind of nice to know somebody else is an expert any more than I am. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot, but not everything. Yeah. I'm still at, well, the moment that we stop learning, we die. So, you know. Right. We should always be constantly learning. Absolutely. Okay. So now we can get to the question that came up. This actually came up on Facebook. And okay. the question was uh, asked by somebody. Uh, I think her name is Mia. Mia asked the question in a very carefully framed way. It's so tightly framed that, well, I won't tell you what my response was first. I'll let you give your response. Okay. Um, but she says, does anyone know, is there a way to get the truth from someone? Is there a spiritual way for that when the person um, refuses to give you or denies giving you the truth other than intuition? Hmm. So not using intuition and you want to get the truth from somebody. Something came to mind, but when I, so I totally believe in one of Neville Goddard's, um, one of his creative imagining uh, manifestation techniques, I guess, or tools, if you will, is to um, imagine that the person is telling you what it is that you want to hear. But, but the caveat to that is, is what you want to hear the truth. So you know what they've <laughs> always said, right? There's his, his version, her version, and then there's the truth, right? Or, yeah, right. <laughs> so um, I don't know, because I think what I may think is true and what you may think it's true is, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So I would say, no, I, I don't know of anything other than that. But again, someone, you know, saying what you want them to say doesn't make it true in the sense of truth, I guess. It just makes it what you want to hear. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it kind of feeds in nicely to what I said. Now, I, what I said was a little bit, perhaps a little bit on the harsh side, because okay. I, I, I tend to be fairly direct on stuff like this. Okay. But I really responded strongly internally when I read other than intuition. Okay. And the reason I responded strongly is what that said to me was, she doesn't want to actually get into what she feels about whether or not the person's telling them the truth, mm -hmm. which means she doesn't really want to trust herself to gauge whether the person is telling the truth. Mm. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to rely on her own ability at all. She wants the spiritual quote unquote side to do it for her. And spirituality doesn't work that way. Spirituality is not something, it's not a magic wand that you wave and everything's okay. Right. You know, it's not the right, that's not the right way to understand spirituality in my book. Spirituality means you're the spirit. Right. You're the one, you're the source energy. You were right, right, right. You know, so why would you cut yourself off from yourself in order to get the information you want? I and, the only reason, and, and the only reason I can think of to do that is because you really don't want to be responsible for what happened. You really don't want to be responsible for the result. You just want it to magically fix itself. 
But the problem, of course, is that when you when you cut out the intuition, when you cut out that internal sensation, that feeling of, well, I kind of trust that, I don't really trust that, whatever, mm-hmm. what you're basically doing is you're coming at it from the point of view that I don't, I won't listen to myself. I don't really trust that the other person is telling the truth. I want to gauge to know when they're telling the truth. So therefore, that person is guilty until proven innocent. That's the way I took it. That's what it sounds like to me. And that's untenable. I mean, how, they, how do you live your life that way? Yet you're basically going through your life asking everyone to prove to you that they're telling the truth whenever they tell something to you. Right. That's just not going to work. I don't well, care what your beliefs are. That's just not going to work. Because <laughs> that's just not how it does work. That's just not how it works. Right. right. Yeah. I completely, I completely agree with you. We and spirit are one. I, I completely believe that. I know a lot of people like to think of spirit and us as two separate entities, but I completely believe that we are one. Right. And so. I agree with you. I think that um, some people don't want to take responsibility, right? (laughs) For, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing with the law of attraction. And you tell people that you attract um, whatever you're thinking, right? Whatever Whatever your most dominant thoughts are, whether they're negative or positive, that's what you attract. But they say, no, I never would have attracted this crazy ex boyfriend or whatever, right? but something inside of you did, but they don't want to take responsibility for that. So you could be onto something actually, Walt, honestly. That's, okay. a, that's a way to look at it, for sure. I mean, it, it, it seemed, even as I was typing it, it seemed harsh, like I said. It seemed like this is you know almost insensitive. But I also remembered what I was responding to. I was replying, responding to somebody who said they didn't want to touch into their sensitivities. Right. Well, well Okay, so how and do you do that? that? That your intuition, that spirit will tell you completely. Yeah. You will. It will. Well, yeah. I, I'm willing to bet she already knows. Aha. Uh-huh. I'm willing to bet she already knows. That's a she's lot of try- she, She's do. trying to find some way to justify yeah. changing it or avoiding it or something. I don't know exactly what, but. She doesn't like the, she, she's like the, I, I told this joke the other day and I, I, I saw it on a cartoon on, it was actually a Facebook meme, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it summarizes beautifully what it is I think she's doing. Picture of a person who's a card reader mm-hmm. and you're looking from behind the card reader at the table where the card reader has laid out the cards for the client who's sitting across from the card reader. Uh-huh. And the client looks up and says, could you shuffle and do that again? Like, no, 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 I don't want that outcome. Let me have I don't like one. that result. I want a different yeah, result. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. It feels like she's saying, I don't want the answer that tells me whether I think I believe him or not. I want a different answer. Right. And that's why I was okay. saying, even if you do the Neville Goddard technique, right, it's just that person telling you what you want to hear, not necessarily the truth, whatever the truth is in this situation, right? But like you said, if if you follow your intuition, if you allow spirit to give you the information, right, it's not going to be wrong. So I no, don't know the, how you get outside of intuition. Yeah, I mean, literally you have to- That's to, what it's for, that, really. That's the point. It's to develop that so that you can know this stuff. 
but that's it while to develop it mm. and that takes time that takes time it certainly took me a lot of time how what what approach did you take how did you did, were you able to always do it i mean you you told me you were pretty good at this pretty much from a young age mainly because of your father's influence but you know yeah. how long did it take you to learn to do it i I don't know how long it took me to learn to do it because I grew up in church and I went to church so often. And it was kind of like this beat in me that I'm supposed to have this <laughs> Jesus Christ or whatever. Right. I really practice it. Like I would pray and they say pray, but then wait to listen. Mm. I would literally wait to listen, but I could always tell um, my intuition generally, Walt, if it's, if it's a thought that I know Monique would not have, if I know I would normally tell myself to go right, but something just says go left, I always go left. I don't even question it anymore because I've gone right so many times. I hear you. <laughs> but now I know. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You, you go right often enough and you get your nose bloodied often enough. You say, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm right. done. <laughs> exactly. So I practiced it. I know it has to be 20 years by now. So I'm, wow. No, 30 years. Easily. Mm -hmm. okay. So it just came with practice, just listening. And it's not always, you know, me hearing, but like I said, it's, it's just the knowing. Do you ever get that? Like you just you just have this feeling, you just know that you're supposed to do something or, or whatever. Do you ever get it, that? It took me a long time to tune into that. I had been detuned from it for quite some time. Oh. Um, what got me back as I'm sitting here thinking about this mm -hmm. is one of my co-hosts, I think it may have been Cindy actually, advised me at some point during, you know, you know how it is after the show, we always have like conversations, you know, how to yeah. go and what's going on, all that kind of stuff. Right. And this one particular day I was kind of struggling with the whole question. So she gave me like a little quick coach and uh, basically suggested, you know, feeling isn't just a, a sensation. It's also the emotions. It is. So, so you can, you can just use your emotional response as a way of measuring what it is that you're trying to tap into. And I, I hadn't thought of it that way and realized also that it basically means if I, whatever it is, is in the good feeling area, then I know I can trust it as something that is reliable. If it's in the bad feeling area, then I have to question, okay, well, I know what the feeling was, but as Abraham expresses it, that's not in alignment with what my inner being is feeling. That's why I'm feeling this, this anger or this rage or depression or whatever it is. Exactly. So why am I feeling that? What is it that, what's the real message here when I'm yes, doing like that? asking the question behind the question. Yes, exactly. And you do that often enough. And then at some point after I was in that higher vibe place more often, then I started to notice what Linda calls the drop-ins. Oh. You know what I mean? No, do explain. Well, it's, it's what you were talking about, that feeling, that thought oh. that just kind of comes in. It's a drop-in. It just it sort of drops into your head like, oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I get that quite often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, 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 we actually all get them, yeah. but it's very really easy. Tuning it out or ignoring it. it out. Yeah, ignore it. Or not even recognizing that it was there. Um, mm -hmm. I, for the longest time, here on the podcast, would talk about how I didn't really know 
what it felt like inside to have that connection. I didn't know what to look for. And what I didn't realize is I had the feeling all along, but I had dismissed it. Right. The feeling was there. And, and I realized one of the reasons why I dismissed it because it is so continuous. We are used to, to experiencing contrast, polarity, things that you know, are changing all over the place. The connection is solid and continuous. It doesn't polarize. No. And that's what makes it so easy to not notice it. Ooh, that's good. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I had to do something to figure this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. That's good. I never thought about it in that way, but I completely, completely agree, right? Mm-hmm. Because we are used to that contrast, but you're right. It's just continuous. It does not ebb and flow. It's not yeah. up and down. It's just what is. It's like a hum almost that never stops. Yeah. And I'm still, you know, I'm still getting to the place to where I want to learn. Well, I won't say I want to learn. Yeah, I guess so. I want to learn to go deeper in meditation mm-hmm. so that I I really get to that place of connectedness. Because like right now, like I said, I have a lot of drop-ins. I have, you know, a lot of, you know, and I do have spirit leading me this way or leading me that way. I, I got that. But I, I really want to go a lot deeper to where some people say that they're in the flow state, right? So I'm just always feeling like I'm connected with spirit no matter what, right? And there is no up and there is no down. And my emotions aren't here some days and there some days. But I guess to kind of get like where the monks are in this place of Zen where you just know all the time. Well, I can give you some clues along that line. That's one of the advantages of having so many co-hosts and some okay. really, really talented co-hosts, I might add. Um, Dean has been on the show just a little bit longer than you have. Before him was David Strickle, who is a channeler, very much like Esther Hicks channels Abraham. Yeah. He channels an entity, a group of entities he calls the Stream of David. And the Stream of David has a really interesting take on this. Their take is... We live in a world of polarity on purpose. We came here for the polarity. We came here for the contrast. It's part of what we signed up for when we chose to come into this life. So the trick isn't to even it out or to make it go away. The trick is to love all of it and appreciate all of it, including the down cycles including the transgressors. That's the phrase they tend to use a lot, the transgressors. If you can learn to appreciate the transgressors, then it's not that they have to go away. It's just that you're not negatively attached to them anymore. Hmm. That's interesting that you say that because now that that makes me think about, you know, my very first day on the show and we talked about, you know, my ability to be able to forgive Kevin for the rape. But I generally feel that way about anybody who does me wrong. It's extremely easy for me to let go of the negativity, just see them as a spiritual being, not necessarily the thing that they've done or, you know, I feel like they've done to me, the transgression, if you will, right? And just to keep it moving. My daughter thinks I'm some type of alien. I tell her, yeah, I think <laughs> I'm ple- ple- pleadian, I think they're called. Okay. That. That's my running joke with her, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, she says, mom, you're an alien. Like nobody thinks like you do. Most people want revenge. Most people are petty. Most people want to hold on to the anger. 
And I was like, but that serves no purpose. I don't, I don't see the purpose in that, right? It's just too much work to be done for my energy to be caught up in negativity. I, I got too much to do, right? So, well, I, I, well, she's right. She's right that a lot of people, or a huge number of people, you know, like an overwhelming majority of people, people do go for that. Yeah, that's true. On the other hand, a lot more people are doing it your way. And wouldn't it be nice if even more people <laughs> yes. did it my way or the way, that way, right? Yep. You got it. Another point over there for Monique. All right. That's good. <laughs> it really would be, but I understand that. You know, that for a lot of people, that's difficult. And you know, Walt, you know, this is a little bit off the topic, but while we're talking about, you know, people being able to change their mindsets around something, you know, lately I have found it increasingly difficult to stop thinking about an ex-boyfriend, right? And I'm like, why? But why? Right. I've never understood how people can hold on to things that happened to them like 20, 30 years ago, like they just can't or won't let it go. But I'm starting to understand that some some you're attached to that emotion some kind of way. So I'm in the process of reverse engineering it so I can fully let that go to to move on and just not feel that angst when it comes to this particular person, because Moreover, like I said, well, you know, I just let it go and it is what it is, right? Right, yeah. Well, when we have trouble letting go of stuff, like you said, we're hanging on to it too long. And usually it means that it needs to be acknowledged in some way and appreciated. Like, okay, you have a message for me. I know you have a message for me. You keep recurring. I've done all this work and you still recur. So you're pretty persistent there, Mr. Memory. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> right. So, okay, I'm going to acknowledge you and I'm going to say, you know what, that... X factor, whatever it is that's a, that I associate with that memory, that isn't a really happy X factor. You know what? That X, he, he was doing the best he could. And I was doing the best I could. And so, you know, I'm just going to appreciate what it did give me. And I, I'm going to appreciate what I got out of it that was helpful. I mean, that that is one thing we can count on, right? Where polarity and contrast are concerned, right. where the, the bad stuff is concerned. We always get something out of the bad stuff. We do. We do. And I don't think that we're, we're good at acknowledging that or even thinking about it in that term. In those that's terms. why, that's why it's good to practice it. I mean, which, you yeah. know, I, I know you already know that. But. Yeah. <laughs> but, it looks um, like it's taking a little bit more practice with this. Yeah. <laughs> than uh, so you're going to get there. You'll do it soon. I'll, I'll bet you you come back next week and told me, tell us that uh, you, you got it done. It's behind you now. Cause I'm definitely going to work on it starting today. Well, in that case, I would, I wouldn't give it till Friday to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> my money's on you yes absolutely and i was glad you pointed out um what you talked about on the very first time that you were on the show um because that was a major transgressor you dealt with that was like that mammothly large transgressor and i think i was so impressed because you managed to let go of that i there are so many people who won't let go of stuff like that and i totally get it i mean i'd have trouble letting go of something like that i understand that so right. i mean i was i was just absolutely amazed and in wondrous awe of the fact that you did it congratulations <laughs> <laughs> thank you and most people are especially obviously especially women who have gone through the oh, same God. things you know I, mm -hmm. I never tell anybody that it's easy 
But it's like anything else, Walt, in your life. You have to make a decision. You have to decide either you're going to, again, let it make you bitter or make you better. And I choose to make it make me better so that I can be better for other women, right? Because mm-hmm. there's tons of other women who are going through that. And, and I may need to help them learn how to forgive and let go, which would be amazing. It's also amazing how many people who are in the life coaching field or therapy field who have past experiences like that one. Um, the one that instantly comes to mind, of course, a lot of listeners know who I'm going to. Um, one of my first co-hosts, Joel Elston, was a uh, gambling addict at a very young age. He yeah. stole from his father's insurance company. He ended up going to prison for it. Mm-hmm. At one point, he was homeless before that, living, uh, basically eating out of a dumpster in Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, he, he went through just some horrific stuff. Oh, and he has told me more than once, on many occasions, he's told me, I wouldn't trade any of it away. I would not want to undo any of it. Not that he wants to live it again. He definitely doesn't right. want to live it again. Right. But he says he has gotten so much value out of that experience. And the best way he explains it is, look at all the people that he's been able to help as a life coach. Actually, he used to be a therapist first, then he decided to become a life coach mm-hmm. versus a therapist who had gambling addicts, yeah. addictions rather. And, and he helped hundreds, thousands of people who had that situation. He also ended up going through the foster care system. He has helped dozens wow. of kids in the foster care system. I mean, all, and, and, and he's able to achieve quick rapport with them because he can relate to them on a level that they appreciate. Yeah, I mean, most of them come to him and, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, reluctantly and, and kind of grumpily sitting there in the chair like, yo, you're not going to be able to help me. You're another one of those idiots. And then he says, well, here's what I went through. And they say, oh, my God, you went through the same thing I did. Yeah. You know, that rapport is huge. You know how that works. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, how, how many clients, how, not how many, but how often with clients do you find that sharing that story elicits an, oh my God, I have a, some, I have something that makes me think of that story from a client. Probably about 50%. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. About 50%. Believe it. That's big. I do believe it. I believe it. I'm not even sure I want to know what their stories are to be honest. (laughs) But, but the point is that you're able to achieve that huge level of rapport. And once you've got that level of rapport, they're listening. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Who makes the biggest gains? I'll bet you that group is the one that makes the biggest gains. I'll bet you anything. Definitely. Definitely. Because I know that I'm coaching from a, a space of not just telling them something that I, I've i heard, but something that I definitely know and I've lived through. So if I can do it and, you know, I'm not super special or anything, you know, we're all just human beings, right? So if I can do it, you can do it. It just a matter of deciding that that's what you want and being committed to that and being committed. It takes, what do you think it takes to have that level of commitment to yourself? Cause you have to have a strong why. Okay. That's what I believe. You have to have a strong why. And for me having a, um, well, of course I was 15. <laughs> I wouldn't have my daughter until 10 years later when I was 25. Mm-hmm. But if I want to be the mom that I say I want to be, or just the person, then I I have to commit to myself that this is something that I'm going to, you know, like you said, acknowledge it happened. It 
he is who he is. I'm not going to change him. I'm not going to attempt to try and change him right. But what I can do is I can change me. I cannot let this change me and turn me into a negative or, or bitter person. And that way, when my daughter gets older, now I've got an experience to tell her about, hey, w- watch out, you know, don't do what I did to put myself in that situation. Not saying that, you know, it's my fault that he did what he did. But in hindsight, you know, he was dang near a grown man that I didn't know. I had no business getting into the car with him to begin with. Somebody I didn't even know. I just had a crush on him and thought he was cute because I saw him around town, right? And, you know, young girls and their crushes, oh my gosh, he wants to take me to the store, kind of, you know what I mean? But now being older and just letting her know, you know, as a mom, you need to make wiser decisions, especially with people that you don't know. So for me, my why was just, I wanted to be a better person, not only for my daughter, but for other people that I could share my story with. You have to have a strong why. You're you're reminding me of something that happened when, I guess I must've been about five years old. Wow. Because this was when, no, I had to, no, I was six or seven. That's right. Mm-hmm. It would have been like first or second grade, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I used to walk to school. It was like, oh, I don't know, maybe like a quarter mile, something like that. Wow. Um, but, you know, you're a small person at that point. So it's all, it seems like a long walk. Right. And I, the reason I'm telling this story is it reminds me of the fact that I was always a very um, introverted person growing up very shy, mm-hmm. um, not easily trusting and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I believe that at the very least, it saved me from a hellish experience and it could have easily, easily saved my life. Because oh. the experience went like this. I was walking along the street to school mm-hmm. and a car pulled up. A guy rolled down the window and invited me to get into the car with him. What? And... I hadn't been prepared for anything like this. My parents never really had a conversation like that, you know, and I just didn't trust him. And I didn't trust him largely because I was so introverted. So I just shied away. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember exactly how I got out of it, but basically I refused to get in and I just started walking. And so he went away, but that could have gone really differently. Yes. It really, really could have but it didn't. So I'm really grateful that I was an introvert. And I'll tell you for the longest time when I was younger, I thought being an introvert was the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but it very well could have saved your life. It probably it could have saved my life. life. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget that either. Funny thing is, I don't even remember what his face looked like. I remember what his car looked like. It was like a 1940s car, uh, like, you know, dark green. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the model was. I mean, I was six, you know, so right. what did I know from models, right? Yeah. But, um, and I don't, I, I barely remember anything about him physically as a person. I think he had glasses. That's about all I can really tell you. Mm-hmm. But, and dark black glasses. But I guess at that point I was still, well, this is true of young people in general. They're, they're more recently on the planet and more recently in this life. So they are more recently connected to source energy. They have, they haven't lost as much of it as, you know, many of us lose as we get older and older in life. So I still had that connection. The connection just didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all. Yeah. 
sounds pretty so, creepy. It, it was very creepy. You should see the look on my mom's face when I told her what happened. <laughs> and I'm glad you told her. You oh, know, yeah. It would have. I don't even know if I can explain how and why that happened. It just seemed like I had to tell her. I don't know. I mean, yeah. there had never been, we never had a talk, you know, uh -huh. I, I know that among African-Americans, there's often the talk and I can understand uh -huh. where that comes from, but there was yeah. no equivalent for me for something like that. And there never been it. I mean, as far as we all knew, we lived in a safe neighborhood, you know? Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Creepy. Interesting how that brings this stuff up, yeah. but I'm very grateful that nothing happened that I came oh, through God. that. Okay. Somehow I ma maintained enough of my connection through my introversion side to um, survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad that you were that introverted. Me kid. too. <laughs> me too. Because my daughter, China was the complete opposite. She was so me when she was little. I remember oh, I, I um, lost her. <laughs> in Walmart in my hometown oh. one time and I was freaking out and walk the whole time I like kept saying to myself is my mom's gonna kill me my mom's <laughs> gonna kill me oh my god my gonna kill me. I lost China I don't know where she is <laughs> and of course like all kids where did I find her on the toy aisle of course yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh gosh but she was extremely friendly and let me tell you Kind of like the thing that, that you had with the stranger in the car, right? So China would go to anybody. I mean, she was just the friendliest kid, Walt, with anybody. Except this one time when I was in the military, I had a friend of mine who used to babysit her all the time because she was, a, her husband was in the military, but she was a stay at home mom, right? So she kind of would babysit China for me sometimes. And I remember she had came to me. And told me that she was leaving her husband. She didn't give me any details. Mm. She told me she was leaving him. And um, went to, during his lunch break, he was at lunch. So we went to her house, right, to get her things. Well, he came home early or whatever. And he just pretended like everything was great. She just pretended like she wasn't there to take her stuff, right? We just pretended. And China was too. i I'll never forget this. He came in, in the door and we were standing right next to the door. Um, I was holding China and he went because I had never met him in person before. And he went, you know how, you know, kids and you go to grab them, you hold your hand out, right? Like, come here. And that was the very first time I'd ever seen China have an adverse reaction to anyone. Oh. She started screaming and like mm. she was trying to get out of my arms, like get away from this guy. Right. I the weirdest thing, Walt, come to find out later, my friend told me that her husband was abusing her and that's why she was leaving. And I totally believe oh I picked up on his energy, had never seen him before, had never met him before. She'd never acted like that before or since him. Wow. Yeah, I think I you're think absolutely right. You have an intuition about people. You know, you haven't cut yep. it off yet, like we've been talking about, right? You haven't That's right. Ignore it. Yeah. You believe it. 
people have been trained by our culture to buy into all the cultural rules and right. affirmations and right. to, uh, destructive thought processes and yeah. all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, you still have that connection. I think I, that's one of the cool things about kids. I've said this many times that kids are, are like our best teachers. They have well, the most they, they have more to teach us than any other human that in existence just by what they do, just by how they behave what they talk right. about, what they take interest in, because every step of the way, unless they're in a really bad environment, and by a bad environment, I don't necessarily mean living in poverty, although that's usually part and parcel of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, living with parents who don't know how to love the child, who don't yeah. know how to give the child what the child needs in, in the barest way and end up, you know, undermining them with all the stuff that they're they're programming into their little minds. Yeah. Other than that kind of situation, children still have that amazing connection. They know you can't pull the wool over their eyes. Oh, you no. They really can't. That's why they tell you how they really feel or what they really think, right? That's why That's they right. don't have a filter yet. They haven't learned how to lie. They just tell you how it is or what they think or what they feel. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's wonderful. It's also wonderful too. Now I, I'll, I've told most of my co-hosts this. I don't think I've told you this story yet, but my wife and I, Louise and I were involved in forming an alternative school. Uh, this was back around uh, the time of nine uh, 11 actually. Oh. And it was based on a model created by a private school near Boston, Massachusetts called the Sudbury Valley school. The Sudbury method is what it's called. And essentially in a real tight nutshell. Sudbury method is where the kid is in charge of their entire day. There's no preset curriculum. There aren't any teachers and classrooms, all that kind of stuff. They're basically empowered to do what they want to do. And it's amazing to watch a, a kid go through something like this. By the way, interesting side note, Abraham Hicks completely endorses the Sudbury model, it turns out. They've actually said so on one of their uh, workshops. Okay. But um, just watch, you, what, what basically happens is you watch kids follow their built-in compass. That's what I, what I call it. It's that connection. They, their connection tells them what they need to look at next, what they need to do next, what they need to find next, what they need to explore next. Yeah. And of course, you know, parents are much more interested in, well, is my, my kid learning to read? Is he learning to do math? Is he yeah. learning science? Is he, they learn oh, to God. read. You just leave them alone. They learn to read by age 12. You don't know when in that time frame they're going to learn to read, but they all do, 100% of them. Same thing with math. If you And probably math, and, and I say this as someone who's excellent at math. I mean, I had like high SAT scores on math where I came to that. I tell you, our educational um, framework, our, our educational foundation absolutely undermines the ability of students to learn math. You think so? Absolutely no doubt whatsoever in my mind. And the Sudbury kids prove it. The way they prove it is, now th there's lots of stories that come out of the school, as you might imagine. It's one of the ways that they sell their services. One of the stories is about a group of kids who, now remember, they have had no formal classes, right? So there's no formal math classes. They never studied math. But they wanted to form a club, which happens a lot. And they wanted to um, get the school meeting, which allocates money, and that's all run by the students, um, to allocate money for their club which means they have to go up and give a defense of what they're doing and they have to justify it and so forth. And, and one of the things that, that their club needed, I don't remember what the club was, but for whatever reason, it needed to have money to do its regular thing. So they need to have some kind of regular income. So the school meeting wanted to know, okay, so what's your plan? Yeah. How are you going to do this? 
I mean, we can get you started, but we can't keep funding money to you. Now, this is other kids telling them this. This is what's so cool about this model. But anyway, so they had to come up with a way of doing this. They realized, well, we're going to have to know how to do the bookkeeping. Oh my God, we're going to have to learn some math. So they went to one of the staff members and said, we want to learn some math. Now, this is one of the founders of the school. His name is Dan. And Dan says, oh, yeah, sure. Your mom put you up to this, right? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. Dan, we really want to learn how to do math. We, they finally convinced him that they really wanted to do the math. And so they ended up negotiating a, a series of classes to teach them the math. And it turned out much of the negotiation wasn't terribly necessary because what the kids did is they ended up taking the teacher's version of the math books and studying that, and they could check their own answers, and so they, you know, that, that's the way they learned it. They oh. did six years, grades one through six, of math in ten weeks. Whoa. Wow. Really? Really. And that's not an isolated case. That has been repeated over and over and over again. Wow. That's why I am convinced that the way math is currently taught undermines kids. It makes them, how many people are math averse? How many people just, well, okay, you're raising your hand. You're one of them. My wife is the same thing. She hates math. The only reason people, the only reason you hate math is it was shoved down your throat. But if you're ready for it, because you've reached a point in your orbit where you finally decide, oh, I need to learn some math. You can't stop the kid at that point. Right. And that's the difference. Okay. That's the difference. So, My daughter's yeah. like you. She likes math. When she was little, um, that's what she wanted. She didn't mm-hmm. want a new toy. She wanted new math <laughs> workbooks at Walmart, which I thought was weird. But she's an accounting major. She likes numbers. There you go. Picked up on that. Yeah, I should have picked up on that. Yeah. Well, hey, she picked up on it. That was the main thing. She knew. Yeah. She may not have known why, but intuitively she knew. Yeah. Every kid has that built-in compass, and it's so cool. That's why it's so fun to watch them. It's fun to watch how they learn. And sometimes you can't even you, you don't even know. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but this is actually a story of a kid who learned how to do math by fishing every day. They still have never figured out how he did it. But wow. we'll save that one for another day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he ended up working for Hewlett Packard, by the way. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad at all. So. Well, I, I think the plan worked. We got going with Wouldn't It Be Nice If? We raised the vibe and, and we held it throughout the show. So we did. this was good, really good. And uh, hopefully we also helped uh, Mia with her problem too. But um, all all a very good thing. Thank you very much for your contributions as well. People are loving you. You can see that. Oh, the, emails yeah. are, the, the emails are telling you. You know it now. Yes. So you, you're going to be here for a while. You're, you're here for the long haul now, whether you want it or not. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I was hoping to get away. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it here with you guys. Thank you so much for having me on your platform. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, we appreciate having you, too. We appreciate all of our listeners, too. Without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. And we'll see you all next time. You're on Elevate Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.